Welcome to the BioCurious Podcast with your host, Kayla Osterhoff. As a health scientist, biohacker, and generally curious person, I'm always looking for new ways to optimize and integrate mind, body, and spiritual health. I created this podcast to explore the magic and science of human biology and expand your consciousness through learning. If you enjoy the episode that you're about to hear, please leave a review and share it with someone who can benefit from the information. Now let's get curious. Hello, my bio-curious friends. It's finally a sunny Sunday here in the South, and I'm so excited to get outside and soak up some rays and get a nice big dose of vitamin D, especially because my BioStrap sleep data is giving me the green light for a big endurance push today. So I'm gonna get outside for a nice long run. My uh, nocturnal HRV score this morning is back up into the hundreds, which I'm very excited about. So I'm well rested and ready to rock and roll. I'll be headed out for a run in just a few and I've got my uh, pre-workout pre concoction here that I'm sipping on as I record this. I uh, mixed up all of my favorite supplement powders today to really supercharge my workout. It's got my Neuromag, which is a magnesium three and eight powder, um, a prebiotic powder from Th uh, Thrive, some ashwagandha. Um, I don't remember the brand of this one, but it's organic ashwagandha powder. And I have my Genius brand fermented BCAAs, which I usually take for um, whatever type of workout I'm doing. And then my Keto Genius exogenous ketones for a little extra energy boost. And this is just like my magic potion that I really only use for long endurance pushes to help me keep high energy throughout the entire bout, which today will probably be about three hours. Um, I'll link all of the stuff that I put in this concoction in the show notes in case anybody is interested. But in other news, I am officially retired from CDC as of this last Friday, which means that I'm going to be focusing full-time on my doctoral studies and the BioCurious brand, which includes this podcast. I have some really big things in the works, which will expand the BioCurious community and offerings that we have for y'all exponentially. So stay tuned for more information about all of that but also for my biohacking ladies out there, the Women's Biohacking Collective will be relaunching with the upgraded platform in April. And so we're super excited to launch a bigger and better Women's Biohacking Network. And we will be announcing all of the details very soon by email. So be sure to um, check out the WB Collective on Instagram. It's the WB Collective, and you can also sign up for our emails through the link in bio. And if you do that, then you'll get all the latest updates and um, all the information about the new network. 
So for today's podcast episode, we have such a cool episode and a very special guest, Dr. Scott Levine, who you may know as Dr. Scott Healer on Instagram. If you don't know him or if you're not linked up on Instagram, definitely check him out. But today he will be teaching us how he combines quantum biology, energetics, kinesiology, and body mechanics to supercharge healing. Dr. Levine is such a gifted doctor and healer, and he's trained in both conventional medicine and a host of other esoteric healing methods, which he combines all of that to offer a really unique holistic healing experience, experience. Um, and he'll detail all of that in this episode. He's also the leader of a really cool global effort to spread love, which is called Zero One, and we also discuss that in this episode as well. So I'm excited to share this really fascinating conversation with y'all, and I know that you are going to love it. I've been doing this for 24 years. I graduated in 1996, and the first... I remember early on coming out of school, I decided I was just going to take as many courses as I could. So I take a course a month. I travel all over North America to learn from some of the mentors and gurus in chiropractic. And I really focused on learning my craft, on being able to diagnose, adjust, uh, recognize interesting cases. And, and so that kind of allowed me to grow as a chiropractor. Then my, my next transition as I was going was I started getting to apply kinesiology. I found the muscle testing as an incredible way to diagnose things that you can't see or feel by asking the body and just looking for a response where a negative response would create a negative or weak muscle and a positive response would create a, a stronger muscle. And this was done, uh, this was founded by Dr. George Goodhart, who was a chiropractor. And so I took 500 plus hours in AK. And it was coming up to maybe 15 years into it, and or no, it was about 10 actually. And what I found was AK was a lengthy process. You, you'd be muscle testing if you wanted to find liver function, you'd be muscle testing a certain muscle to find out adrenal function, another muscle. Uh, how well the foot is moving, a different muscle. And so my exam on a day-to-day -day basis kept getting longer and longer, and it was limiting the amount of people I could serve. So I was like, and this is where, you know, you start learning that the, the power in your life, the quality of your life is kind of like the quality of the questions you ask. And my first question that I, that this showed up was I asked the question, is there a better way to do AK because we're all learning the same thing. We're all learning this muscle testing protocol and every, and, and it's being used by many different professionals and different types of modalities, touch for health, best technique, all these different techniques are still using AK principles. So I asked, is there a better way? And, and I remember it happened. It was April 1st, 2009. And I walked into uh, my treatment room and one of the chiropractors that, that I work with was lying on the table and he said, uh, can you take it easy on me today? He said, just be a little gentle. 
And I remember standing at his feet and thinking to myself, oh, listen, if, if muscles go weak, then their tone would change, which would mean if your tone changes, that's like the length of the muscle would change. So I started like picking up the feet and, and moving the hips and realized a positive response also changed hip rotation and a negative response changed hip rotation differently. And I was like, whoa, this is, I'm onto something. And what that did, and I call it the system, and what that did was speeded up the AK system very fast. And why I did this was, was another thing came up was when we take a course, like from whoever the mentor is, we tend to follow exactly the way we learned it. We don't tend to go outside of the box of the, the system of, of new technique we learned. And what I realized was, you know, I learned all this AK and what was behind all these muscle tests was an intention that was created by someone telling me that this is what, what this test and I just followed along. So I realized the power of the muscle testing is the intention of the question you're asking. And that's why you can use one muscle for all your muscle testing. You don't necessarily need to go to all different muscles to find out what's going on in the body. You could use a quad or a hamstring or a glute med and you could do a muscle test doing it. Another thing I, I recognized with muscle testing was it was creating more separation between me and my patient because in essence, a muscle test is a strength test, which means I'm pushing against your strength, which is us pushing against each other. So for me, this tonal technique made sense. And, and what was interesting was I was going along my treatment day and my third patient that day happened to be a psychic for a living. This is what she does for a living. She talks to the other side and I picked up her feet and started testing her hip rotation as I was asking questions in my head. She goes, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm just checking your hip rotation and, and didn't really want to give away with what I was doing because I really didn't know at the time. She goes, no, you're not. Wait a second. They're telling me now. And I remember her looking up in the sky and I wasn't so spiritual at the time. So I wasn't really connecting with what she was doing. And she goes, they, they tell me you're doing something called spiritual kinesiology. I was like, ooh, that sounded really cool. So I moved on through that, and now that's about 10 years ago since I started using what I call the system. And where the system and myself have grown in this technique has been really in my own growth because, as I said, I took a lot of courses, and for the first half of my career, I really focused on chiropractic techniques, and I, I even branched out in cranial sacral and, and soft tissue techniques, but the last 10 years has been mostly about personal growth. So I've done lots of coaching. I've, I went with Dr. Joe Dispenza and followed, I went on six of his retreats and did that within a 12 month period. I've now meditate every day an hour and, and regularly take saunas and cold showers and, and have really changed my understanding of spiritual growth, growth and, and 2017, I took quantum physics and, and learned, I mean, you don't really ever learn quantum physics. One of the things about quantum physics, they always say is if you understand it, you really don't understand it. So I would probably say that uh, I understand it to the level of being able to apply it in my everyday um, techniques and healing. So that was kind of like 
progression. And in that time I've done, I've started three different technology companies and programs because my my uh, philosophy has changed to also reaching more and greater and helping humanity at a, beyond my one-to-one uh, that I do in my clinic. And, and now what happens is each time someone comes, my intention is to take their system out of survival. And where I where I got this kind of understanding was I remember reading a statistic by the Center of Disease Control, the CDC, and they say that 90% of disease today is caused by stress. That's, a, that's an incredible you know, percentage, if you think about it. 90% of all the reasons people go to the doctor is because of stress. And yet here we are treating symptoms and not necessarily treating stress. So I started understanding stress to uh, understand what that is and where it comes from and what it does to the body. And then I became certified in, uh, I'm the only chiropractor in Ontario certified in ADHD and ADD. I got certified as a brain health coach by the Amen University. So I started understanding what happens with the brain, got into a lot of technology, biohacking, as as you would know it, uh, as far as ways to decrease stress on the brain and then recognized and started to learn in quantum physics where Nikola Tesla talks about that if you want to know the secrets of the universe, think in terms of vibration, frequency, and energy. So here I took the concept of stress and I apply the concept of Nikola Tesla, which is vibration, frequency, and energy, and use those two concepts to bring it together to decrease the level of survival that everyone is really walking in around it, where their system is in this sympathetic nervous system. They're not sleeping well. Their gut isn't per- perfectly working anymore. They're fatigued. Their, their cortisol levels drop. Their progesterone and testosterone is dropping. And it's this whole cascade effect. In fact, when someone has a stressful thought, there's 16,000 different reactions that are triggered from that stressful thought. You know, I remember uh, Bruce Lipton said, who's a cell biologist from Stanford, and he said that, you know, when a cell, a cell in your toe doesn't have any understanding if there's a threat, but it does because your brain tells it's a threat. So your brain doesn't know if it's real or perceived. It's what you, you feel or think, and that will send a trigger right down into your foot to say, get ready to freeze, fight, or flight. So it's a, it's a whole brain-body combination kind of care that, that I do here. And so that kind of gives you up to date of where I am now, and we can go deeper in, in some of the techniques I do as well. Yeah, that's fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing all of that background. And it's just such a incredible road that you've paved for yourself. And I'm really impressed how you've taken all of the learnings from some of my favorites, like you mentioned Bruce Lipton. I talk about him all the time. He's, he's basically the OG of epigenetics, as you know. Um, and, and, um, and I think taking the learnings from epigenetics, quantum physics, regular biology, biochemistry, kinesiology, and really combining them all is the way to go because we are we are starting to move from a more like sick care symptom based uh, health system to a more holistic whole person health system and to do that 
the treatment also has to be holistic. So I'm so glad that you are combining all of these therapies into kind of one master healing program for your patients. Um, and I definitely want to get into more specifics, but something that you mentioned that has actually come up a few times, but I don't think I've ever talked to anybody about this specifically on the podcast is um, applied kinesiology that you mentioned. So this is always something that fascinates me because I took kinesiology in my undergrad when I was pre-physical therapy. Um, I was going or I was studying to go to physical therapy school and that kinesiology was very much focused on optimizing body mechanics. It was all about the joints and um, muscles and like soft tissue and how they interact with each other and how the body moves and dysfunction in movement. However, the kinesiology that you're talking about and, um, and that I've learned a lot about through this idea of muscle testing or this treatment um, using muscle testing is very different from traditional kinesiology. And so I was just wondering if, um, if you could explain what the difference is between the two and if you did have more of that traditional kinesiology training in um, chiropractor school. Mm, great, great question. So the, the main difference, I, and the, I didn't have kinesiology training. However, you do learn kinesiology, like body movement in chiropractic school, but not necessarily to the degree if I became a kinesiologist. And the difference is, in, and it is confusing because applied kinesiology really doesn't have anything to do with kinesiology. You're testing, you know, I, I also did a, a taught a 14 hour course, CE credited course that's online in muscle testing, because it's a real amazing art when you get into testing all the muscles, you do get a lot of feedback in, in how the body works, how the it, it's really interesting, like, for example, a bone in the foot called the cuboid, if it's not positioned correctly, will shut down the gluteus medius muscle on the same side. And that'll have a whole chain effect. And there's different types of uh, books and, and Myers technique where you could learn about, for example, anatomy trains. And they'll show you the way the pathway goes from the foot all the way up from a fascial and muscle point of view. And applied kinesiology is, is muscle testing and muscle testing so that you could understand how the hamstring is working, how the quad is working. And then what that happens is you start branching off into what does it mean if, uh, if the gluteus medius isn't firing, if the IT band isn't properly positioned or the VMO of the vastus medialis oblique the, of the quad isn't firing. What does it mean? And, and then you start learning that there's proprioceptive feedback that comes from certain joints, for example. There's feedback of the organs that are connected to and can uh, affect certain muscles like the adductors, uh, the short and long adductors are affected by adrenal function. And there's lymphatic points. And, and my AK started because there was a, many gurus started learning it and started branching off and specializing. You start getting into primal, retained primal reflexes through muscle testing. So sometimes you could have uh, dysfunction in someone's health 
is because they retained a, a reflex that you're supposed to, like Minsky or, or the writing reflex when you were a child, which is very serving when you're, when you're an infant, but is meant to disappear. And these reflexes, if they stay on, you will have certain uh, problems. For example, the one that's for if you brush the skin, the baby will turn towards the side you brush the skin on on their back. Now, if that reflex is retained, then you can have that child that can't sit still in their seat because every time the, their shirt or their, or their chair touches them, they start, to, they start to move. And so that's a retained reflex. That's all AK stuff that I've learned to be able to identify and then correct. So applied kinesiology is quite a different branch than kinesiology, which is more about the art of movement and studying movement patterns and using a lot of times exercises and stretches as the, as the modality to treating an aberrant movement pattern. Mm, so that, yeah. that, that's where it goes. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. And um, the fact that I learned the latter version of kinesiology does make sense in a physical therapy setting. So um, the other thing is uh, when it comes to kinesiology is a lot of people are using muscle testing in a different way, which is testing um, basically to make decisions on taking certain medications or taking certain supplements or eating certain foods to see if you have allergies. Do you know anything about that type of muscle testing? Absolutely. So, I mean, it can be a bit tricky because you can get false positives in certain muscle tests. Yeah. Uh, a belief system could actually uh, shift the muscle test so that right. you're, you're, what you believe, if you believe this, this medication could be good for you, your system could actually give you a false positive. So it's not that those aren't effective ways to, to check things. There's, you know, I, I like to have more than one way to check something, especially if we're talking medication. In other words, uh, blood work is a very effective way, um, you know, looking at the DNA now, there's a lot of companies emerging that look at your DNA and do very little as much as just a cheek swab and they can check to see how you'll react. However, muscle testing is a good way to just have guidance in some of these areas. And I've never really been trusted myself as far as self-muscle testing. There are ways where you can bring your thumb and your pinky finger together and you'll test like the strength with a yes and then you test it again with a no and it, it's meant to go weaker. I've always felt like, well, you know, if I really wanted that chocolate bar, <laughs> I'll probably test yes, you know, like I don't necessarily trust that because I, I, I have a certain drive to maybe want something. But as far as a practitioner where I'm testing other people, I find pretty confident and, and there was... You know, I didn't know always if I was getting the right answer, but now I'm pretty sure I am. And the reason why is because when I do an initial in my clinic, I do what I call a blank page initial. You come to see me. I know nothing about you. You don't fill out any forms. And I've had some interesting people always say, wait, wait a second, doctor, don't I have anything to fill out? Any pages? The reason why I'm here even? And I'm like, no. I, <laughs> that sounds the great to me, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I say to them, the less I know, the further I can go. 
And, and the reason why is because we all have a story. And, you know, I've ha I had a patient this past week come in and had I known what he was coming in for, there's no way I would have gone to the depth of understanding what was going on for him. And he was coming in for low back pain and neck pain, but you know, I'm coming into a place of, test, of reading his system and all of a sudden I'm coming out with answers like, well, you're, you had trauma when you were a child and you're showing deep level of sadness right now. And, and then because I'm going so deep into what has happened in his life and, and he never told me anything, he's way more open to even sharing certain things that have gone on in his life. And he's more trusting in the process that on the care side of things. So when someone comes in, I, I break it up. I have a white piece of paper with their name and I break it up into physical, chemical, emotional stress. I'll click into spiritual or purpose if that's something that it starts coming to me and sleep. And then I do a scan of all their organs and I start just connecting with the body um, using my system. Uh, the, when I went down to California, a lot of people called it the system of the soul. So I, I continue with that name, the system of the soul, but the system. And what I'm doing is I'm connecting into what I believe is the universal field of consciousness and asking a tree of questions that are coming to me and the body's responding with yes and no uh, responses, almost like a dousing system, like a pendulum the body's responding and then I'm just writing it down and and because I you know I, I'm very grateful that I you know see this week alone 18 new patients on average I see 15 to 20 new patients a week and that's purely from this initial because it's so out there as far as what a patient would typically um, feel when they do see a doctor and um, and because I'm also getting these these large amounts of information that people have been suffering from for for years from anxiety depression uh, a lot of gut issues i'm finding it's amazing how much the liver is involved in gut issues how much the how how many people are suffering from SIBO as well very underdiagnosed small intestinal bacteria overgrowth and then you start learning that supplements are really important but not just supplements how much someone should be taking most people are undertaking what they should be taking when they're deficient and then when to take it i found one of the most important things doing this muscle testing is most people should be taking their probiotic at night before bed and everyone takes it typically in the morning and what i found was i mean it makes common sense you'd probably want to take your probiotic on an empty stomach with least amount of stress in your mind and thoughts so that it can do the most amount of work. So you, you really do discover a lot when you know very little about someone. It, it's quite unique and it stops you from hearing what they believe is the story that they've been repeating over and over again about why they are suffering. And it allows you to just go into the unknown, as I call it, and discover what comes. Mm, I love that. And now I want to come in and see you. <laughs> but, um, but this is actually a similar approach to how I work with my coaching clients as far as trying, I've noticed the same thing where people don't really actually know 
what they want or need. They are purely going off of symptoms or they're going off of, like you said, the narrative that they've been repeating in their own head. And so, you know, on, on initial ask of, you know, what are your health goals? They'll tell you what their health goals are. And then after you go through a series of questioning to get to a little bit more deeper roots, you find out that their goals are actually not what they initially said they were. So I think that that's really cool that you're able to do that by basically skipping the discussion with the person and just more tuning into the body and what, what their body is telling you. Mm, and, and one more question always is the why. Whenever I ask goals or anything like that, I always, you always want to find out why because the mm -hmm. why is why they'll do what you ask them to do also as a coach and, and as a therapist. Yeah. One thing that I like to ask people is, okay, um, you know, if you could reach that goal, let's say that their goal was to lose 50 pounds, um, just for instance, then if you ask them, well, what would losing 50 pounds do for you? What would that allow you to do? That gets them to think a little bit more about what is driving them to lose the 50 pounds. And a lot of times it really has nothing to do with the actual weight itself. I, I, I've, I've discovered that when I've done those questions too. Sometimes it's about being able to just pick up their children, you find out the weight yeah. without the back pain. And that becomes the driving force that you want them to focus on when every time they have to deprive themselves of something that they want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's a lot more motivating than I just want to see uh, the number on the scale change. When you're thinking, I want to do this to interact better with my children, that's, a that's definitely more motivating. So I think people have a lot more success um, going with that approach. Well, one of the things I also, I started breaking down everything to almost like a little bit of a formula. And it was because for a long time, I would ask always people, well, what was the reason that got you in here today? Because, you know, they, they might, most people have been suffering for years and they don't take action long time. They, they All of a sudden, one day they wake up and they take action. I was trying to figure out what is it that, what, how much suffering does someone need to do till they decide to take action? And one of the things I came down, it was this tiny little formula, which was basically, it takes an awareness, because with awareness comes choice. And, you, and we, we're given the divine choice. And you need to have a, you ha everyone has a choice, but they don't necessarily aren't aware. So once they're aware, they have a choice. And then that plus self-love equals making healthy choices. So when I have clients, my intention of each time they come is to create more awareness of either things they could be doing uh, in their day-to-day -day or the things that are, are showing up in their life as far as why they're stressed. And then the most important part is self-love. And that's, you know, that starts with awareness, of course, that they may not be showing themselves self-love, but just asking them where you know, where does lacking of self-love show up for them? Because you could know that, you know, everyone pretty well is aware that water would be better to drink than Coca-Cola. So I don't think I have to make an awareness on that, but it's self-love that drives the choice of saying, you know what, I'm not going to have any more of the, the Coke and I know it's not right for me and I'm going to have water. And that's the, that self-love part is really a huge 
huge problem. It, it's funny because, you know, the, Beatle, the Beatles sung, sing songs about love and we all know that it's, it all comes down to self-unconditional love and it's that simple. But it's so difficult. It's so the program around us that runs the program that creates um, wanting other things in your life is constantly made to make you feel less than, and therefore by buying a car or by buying this new outfit, you're going to feel better about yourself. And every time we get trapped in that feeling of what is outside of us is what's going to make us happy, we create a yo-yo effect. And we, we lose confidence in our own ability to love ourselves. And it's that self-love that creates that decision-making when you have a choice between, you know, going to exercise or staying on the couch. Mm. I think you're exactly right about self-love being, one, extremely important, but two, probably the hardest thing that we could do. I think it would be a lot easier for people to... <laughs> completely change their diet and exercise routine before they're able to love themselves. And this is interesting because I just read, I don't know how I didn't read this book before, but you've probably read it, The Four Agreements. Um, oh, The Four Agreements, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. It's very simple, but it's very good. Um, and something that they were talking about in that book was that humans are the only known creature to be punished multiple times for the same offense and we not only get punished multiple times by other people like say our parents or our teachers or like maybe you get you do something and you get punished by your one parent and then your other parent and then your teacher and then maybe again by your parent and then by a sibling and you know whoever else but the worst part is that we punish ourselves over and over and over and over. And this goes back to Bruce Lipton's teachings about the biology of belief and how that affects our genetics and our health and everything is because we get into these negative thought processes where if we think of something that we did that we feel guilty for or that we regret, um, every single time that we think about it, not only do we repunish ourselves, but we also experience it, just like you were mentioning that with the toe analogy, is we experience the trauma of that event over and over and over, and our body does not know the difference between us thinking about it and actually experiencing it. And so it plays out as a real event physiologically over and over and over. Yeah. And, and, and you nailed it. It's that self-love component is one of the most difficult things. And it's, you know, even from a myself who grew up with a family, very dysfunctional witnessed a lot of um, fighting. And of course a witness to abuse is, is abuse in itself. Didn't understand love growing up. And really, you know, what's nice is you, you know, you, you end up having children and they really push you to understand love because you have to step outside of yourself when they're crying and when they're upset and give love and share love, even when you don't want to. And that it's 
you know, we, they say, you know, your children are the biggest teachers. And, and I'd have to say my children were my biggest teachers because they pushed me to start to understand love. And it was about three years ago, I was uh, doing the Joe Dispenza workshops and came through meditation. And the meditation, I, I was like, wait, is there a way to use technology to share love? and to help people share love through technology. And from that moment, created a company called Zero One. Uh, and Zero One's principles are, are to create opportunities to share love. And the Zero One logo was the, I used a Fibonacci sequence of eight circles. Again, it came through meditation. When I say it came through meditation, I would meditate on some some thought or question when i come out i'd be like oh i know what to do and so created this logo and when i came back from burning man a couple years ago i was like you know what i want to get a tattoo of my logo and so i so i printed 45 temporary tattoos thinking everyone that wants to get a tattoo would probably do a temporary tattoo to only find out this was not a bad idea either to do it and so i started wearing the temporary tattoo in different places and a month later, I happened to be going to the advanced, advanced Joe Dispenza workshop on lucid dreaming in Cabo. And so I thought, you know, there's 500 people there. I'll make a thousand temporary tattoos, hand them out. And people will ask me, what is this about? And I'll tell them about my app that I'm creating uh, to an energy sharing platform. And what happened was completely what I would have expected. Basically, people were putting the tattoo on and going, Oh my God, what is this? I feel this. It's got a, it's a portal. It's a, got a vibration of love it unifies masculine and feminine. And I'm like, what really? Oh my God, this is amazing. And so when I came back, I started using the temporary tattoo and placing it on people and sharing it. And in two years of doing this, we've now shared worldwide 75,000 of these tattoos where we've gifted them all. And I'm very regularly going to the post office and shipping out to everywhere from Israel to Amsterdam to LA, to Chicago for certain festivals to, and we call them love activators. And every single week, I'm usually at an event where I'm activating love. We've done as big events as Tony Robbins, where we've activated it over a thousand people in one day. And this Saturday night, I'll be activating love at another event. And activating love is simply placing the tattoo on the person. And it's this, uh, again, Fibonacci sequence of circles. And then spending about 30 seconds where, where we're in silence. And at the end, um, part of the ritual is having the person create an affirmation using their voice because the voice carries the vibration of the soul. And it's a part of the signature of, of the person. So they use their voice stating, I am, and they can say, I am love, I am abundance. And I've had this incredible ability to now connect with the thousands of people over the last couple of years on the principles of love and how profound sharing love between strangers can be. And that, that, that was one of the things we realized after doing this uh, was that we kind of created a license to share love because there's so many barriers to sharing love. I mean, we have, we're most likely to share love with the people we love, and that's our family, our spouses, our boyfriends, our girlfriends, or our kids. 
we're very, it's very difficult to share love with the barista who served you coffee, uh, the person who held open the door for you. And here, this is a really simple tool. On the back, it talk, it's ca called a quantum resonance activation symbol. We call it a QRAS. It, uh, we, we believe it's kind of like a QR code for the subconscious mind. And it creates a vibration of love. And what's important about it is when you've now placed it on someone, they're left with a visual impression that creates a neuroplastic effect of repetition that that moment occurred in time where you were spent a moment where you focused on your heart, on your breath, and on love. And that continues as long as that visual impression is left there. And then one of the parts we do with anyone that we activate love with is we also share with them another one so that they may also gift it to someone. And that's kind of how it's spread to now. We're at 75,000 and we will soon be launching the app when we get to 15,000 people registered on our website because that's how we, because it's an energy sharing platform, we believe we need a certain amount of people to launch the app with, but we've beta tested it for the last six months and it's quite uh, remarkable. That is so cool. And I think just putting that intention to share love into something so simple, really, I can see it's going to have a profound impact. So I commend you on starting that movement. And I think it's such a cool idea. I'm so glad you brought it up. I had it on my list to ask you about. Um, but I was curious. So what is the what is the overall goal with Zero One? The overall goal is to help people share love with each other. So the one-to-one um, sharing of love has been so far what we've done, which is the tattoo. But the, the app technology will allow people to create a blessing request. So you would, mm. if you know someone that would be sick or, or anything like that, you create a blessing request. And that request would go to one of your circles. And then you would, um, and then let's say I'm in your circle and it comes up in my feed and I'd swipe it to the front and then it would do a guided uh, prayer that brings you into heart coherence and brings the visual, the blessing into your heart through a visualization process and using the observer effect, which is based on uh, one of the principles of quantum physics. And that's the beauty of studying quantum physics is now I've applied it into this technology is then the person that requested the blessing yourself would be notified that I shared love, that I, that I sent mm. love to you. And all of a sudden you would have this awareness at the end of the day that, you know, a couple hundred people have shared love with you. And then at the end of the month, you'd have statistics showing thousands of people shared love with you. And that's the, the main primary function of the app. And so it, to help people do something that we have unlimited resource of you see like i was always thinking like it's not always you're not always able to help people when it comes to you know giving money if someone needs money you're not always able to help people by giving you your time if it's volunteering but we really do have an unlimited amount of love so currently sharing of love is usually someone sending a reminder emoji or texting them thinking of you and the power of bringing someone into a heart coherent uh, state is much more powerful because 
what happens is most people will do stuff for others. You know, human nature is to do more for others than you are do for yourself. In fact, people that really suffer from self-love, they use helping others as a distraction than to taking care of themselves. And it's one of the things that I'll notice if someone comes in and they're very depleted and they've been helping others, a lot of times it's, it's a distraction from themselves dealing with some of the pain they're in. And so one of the things we found when we beta tested Zero One's app was that what's beautiful is the entire thing is taking the person doing the prayer into heart coherence, into a place of gratitude and appreciation. And yet they think they're doing it for the other person, which they are, but it, but it helps both parties because the person doing the act and the person giving the act. And where we see this research was uh, Lynn McTaggart's research. She did uh, that. She has a book called the power of eight. And what she did was, she did um, groups of eight people praying on one thing, like a unified focus of eight people. And they found incredible healing effects of eight people praying on one thing. Well, eight people prayed on one person or one subject. What would happen if you had 30 or 100 or 1,000? And to do that, you need technology. So that's kind of where we're, we're taking Zero One's technology to create this unified focus of energy. Um, there's lots of research, science. They did, they did one double-blind study I remember reading where they had two groups of people praying on, on uh, cardiovascular disease patients who were recovering. And they found that the ones that were prayed on had, better, had less complications post-operative post, uh, of the cardiovascular disease. They've shown prayer can be done at a distance and will shift DNA where they would help unravel DNA. So there's lots of science behind it. And prayer happens to be the most, the, I think 87% of the population have prayed and it is the most alternative health practice. And the only stigma to it is a lot of times prayer is linked to religion and there's a lot of people that aren't religious. So that's why we actually call it a blessing versus a prayer. Yeah, I actually remember reading a paper years ago. Um, I forget the details, but the gist of it was the research that they did is they had a somebody with some sort of ailment or somebody needing help. Um, they were listed on a piece of paper in a concealed envelope and people pray or they these envelopes were sent out to different people to pray over them and not open the envelope. They don't know who the person is. They don't even know what they're praying for. They're just praying for whoever is in need or whatever this envelope needs that that person, you know, gets what they need or whatever, sending positive intentions. Um, and the recipients also didn't know who was praying for them or who wasn't praying for them. And the people who were receiving the prayers from unknown sources did end up having um, profound changes in their physical outcomes, which I thought was really fascinating. Right. So here, here we're learning science meets what religion has known for 
years. Yeah. <laughs> and this is kind of how you started the whole thing, which is taking what we know as science and meeting ancient wisdom. And ancient wisdom is basically the wisdom that has been around for thousands of years, but ne not necessarily can be captured from science or it's just being captured today. Like, like I said, with the DNA, they've shown unraveling DNA using prayer. We have um, Dr. Yamoto's work where he's done uh, the power of the words on the water, mm -hmm. where, where I'm sure you're familiar where they put the words on different waters and then crystallized the water and captured it at the point of crystallization. Yeah. And, and I've even watched YouTube videos, which I have to do with my kids at some point, which is where they, they did the power of the words and put white rice in water. And they mm. just showed how the white rice after 30 days with the word love was still white rice. But the <laughs> one with, with hate had fermented incredibly and, and had gone green or black. Yeah. Um, and so there's there's so much power in energy that we're really just discovering in, in from the study and science perspective. Yeah, I love that work as well um, with the the freezing different types of water that had different intentions put on them, and the crystallization would be different. And the thing I thought was really fascinating is it had to do with the intention of the person putting the word on there or playing the music. It didn't actually have to do with the word itself or the music itself. For So, for instance, if, um, if somebody who did not like heavy metal or associated that with negativity played the heavy metal to the water, then it would crystallize and be all like jagged and not pretty and not uniform and then if they if that person really liked classical music and played classical music to the water then it would freeze and have really uniform beautiful um, crystals and so I thought that was interesting because it would probably be the opposite for me because I really love heavy metal so that one would probably <laughs> crystallize and be really beautiful if I froze the water yeah <laughs> we can really discover a lot about someone if we just started freezing water around them <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> um, well one, so of, the, one of the magic yeah you're saying Oh, I did want something I wanted to ask you about all of this is something you mentioned about vibrational um, healing and how vibration and frequency have to do with health. And I know that you treat your patients with some of these um, different modalities. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So uh, I use the, the sensory system. So we, we think of how do we, how is the brain and body inputted how what are the inputs if you think like a, for a computer you've got your usb inputs your your tv has inputs well what's the input system for the body and brain well it's the sensory system so i i utilize the sensory system and the sensory system's inputs is done through frequency vibration and energy so for example i have biosonic brain tuners these are honestly every therapist and home should probably have these. They're so simple, not expensive. I have done um, EEGs and EMGs to look at how it changes on the technology and they really can normalize uh, frequencies of the brain. So 
that you get tuning forks that have alpha, theta, beta, and delta. And if uh, for the audience that don't aren't familiar with frequencies, of the brain, the brain runs on frequencies and kind of like gears of a car. If you think about it, like some gears of a car for climbing hills, some gears are for coasting brain is the same thing. Some of the frequencies are for deep sleep, like Delta, and some are for the active brain like we're in right now for beta. And in between is this alpha and beta. Now, alpha is a frequency that you need properly uh, tuned for when you're falling asleep. Beta is for meditation. Delta, you really want, if for a lot of light sleepers, a lot of people in survival won't get into deep sleep, I'll use a tuning fork Delta for that. And I've had people that have not slept for seven years come in with one tuning uh, sleep that night. So very quickly starts to tune the brain. Uh, the way the brain goes into tuning, how they work is through entrainment. If you've ever seen, uh, there, if you YouTube uh, and search uh, metronome, uh, where they basically start out, it, only the whole video is three minutes and they have up to 60. I've seen 200 metronomes going and they start out completely incoherent, going all different directions and you watch it and it's quite amazing to watch. Within a minute and a half, they're all going at the same direction at the same time, that tick, 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 tick. And it's quite amazing to watch and that's kind of how coherence occurs when you bring a tuning fork to the brain. Uh, so that's one input. Another one is the proprioceptive input. Huge sensory uh, system in the body. Proprioception is the, more the chiropractic adjustment. It bombards the spinal spine where you're doing it. I can also adjust any bone in the body. So that includes feet and knees and everything. And that helps create input into the brain. This, this smell, I have, uh, I use Young Living, but there's all different types of cups good companies that use essential oils. So using smell as a sensory input can be very effective. And then the room the person's in, I created what I call the heal room. And so I was like, when I moved clinics this past year, I decided to build these two rooms where I would use color and sound frequencies to create a uh, stacked effect on the nervous system while they're on the table. And what I did not have an idea of really how effective this would be, but now that I've been doing it for nine months, I'm like beyond impressed on how well color and sound can change someone's, someone into a more parasympathetic or relaxed state. But even what's more important is my connection with them is way greater because we're both being entrained in the same frequencies of sound and color. And so I use all different colors and, and color therapy is really just becoming big. Like a lot of people are getting the red lamps for their house, um, but they're really discovering. And one of the greatest discoveries that I just read in cell biology a couple months ago came out. So this is really new research is they eradicated Alzheimer's in these mice. They obliterated the plaque using only color and sound frequencies. So this is like, what? This, is, this can be done where they're showing scientifically these plaques being removed that are linked to Alzheimer's. Now it's only been done in mice, but this is huge science that's coming out right now, that color and sound. And what was amazing was it was done in seven days. So I was like, mm. whoa. So that's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy I, you right? have to share that paper with me because I want to read it. 
yeah, I'll definitely share it after this. Um, and, and with your audience, if they're looking for that link. Um, yeah. What, so what happened was here I was creating this incredible uh, shift in, in the clinical setting. So I decided this is not so difficult to do. So building an app right now, we're almost finished, called The Heal Room. And the app will be launching in a couple months from now. And, and what that will do is allow anyone at home to plug into any Bluetooth color light and create a therapeutic playlist of sound and colors that I've already mapped out. So some, some of the playlists are is called Float. And Float will be that playlist you'll click if you're really stressed and you just came home from work and you want to do what I, I've gone to floats. I like doing floats where you go into the water baths. So it kind of mimics that feeling, but we're in the air. So it uses uh, blue water and it, it's going through a whole different uh, playlist of different types of blues and the sound frequencies are in training your brain to an alpha state. You could do uh, sleep and it uses certain color lights and it's going to create a certain glow and it, and it does a certain frequency in the light bulb that also is equated with frequencies that take you and kind of hold your hand and bring you from a beta state like we're in now to that alpha state I talked about, which is to fall asleep. So the heal room is something I'm also um, finishing up right now so that I'll be able to bring what I've been doing in the clinic to everyone's home in, so that you, so you can be able to have that effect of using color and sound in a therapeutic setting. That's really cool. So for the Heal Room app, would the is the light um, sold along with the app or is it just any light that you can plug into your phone? Any any light, any LED Bluetooth uh, enabled light. So Philips Hue, oh, cool. uh, Lift X. I really didn't want to get, I wanted to simplify it. This is going to be an app that's free. Um, Amazing. And it will allow you to, first of all, there's over a million of those bulbs been sold. So anyone that's bought one will be able to take it from what they right now use it for, which is probably ambience when they're having a dinner party, to being able to now just lie there and, and the sound frequencies will be tapped into therapeutic levels that will that, that I've seen happen here and then stacked with the perfect color. Because for example, the chakra one, the, the program for chakras, well, you're gonna have seven different colors, seven different frequencies, and each one of them are gonna be matching to help uh, align and balance your chakra system. Oh, very cool. Yeah, um, as you know, that's what I've been posting about this last week as one of my biohacking themes. And part of that is the color associated with the each energy center and then the frequency as far as like you can just go onto Spotify and search for a specific chakra frequency if you want to tune into that specific one. Yes, I've been watching your posts. They're fantastic. <laughs> uh, where, where I learned a lot of this was I did a 75-hour course in sound residence. So mm. where, where I studied specifically how sound has been used over the centuries in healing environments. And, you know, we've we now discovered that the brain actually has cells that are specific to music mm. that they just recently discovered. And it shows that music and sound, we're meant as, as humans to be using this in, the, in ways that we haven't really used yet. 
Mm, that totally makes sense. Um, music is something that's always been so healing for me, even before I really understood mindfulness and movement and how all of that works together. But um, now that I know more about it, I understand why music is so healing. So <laughs> I love that and definitely resonate with it. Um, and we'll also link both of your apps and your website and everything for the listeners so that they can look into all of this really cool stuff. Uh, but if you're up for it, I have just two more questions that I ask all of my podcast guests that I would like to ask you as well. Please. So one of them is, I'm curious if you have a specific morning routine that sets you up for success for the day. And if so, what does it entail? Uh, I love my morning routine. And and one thing I realized in, in life is if I don't do it in the morning, this is me personally, but I'm sure a lot of people can relate, which is if I don't do it in the, in the morning, it may or may not happen. So if it's important to me, it's in my morning routine. It also is for me an indicator of my own personal self-love at the time. When I'm doing my morning routine, I know that I'm in this place of self-love versus if I start dropping out of my morning routine, deciding, oh, I'd rather sleep in or, or things like that, then I find myself, that's a reflection that I'm not in my best place. So my morning routine is uh, starts with an hour of meditation upon waking. I find if I'm kind of tired, I actually can meditate more easily because I'm less in my head. And then I do, I've done now for three years, I've done uh, ice cold showers during, so I have not had a hot shower in three years. Oh I found gosh. this to be, an, yeah, I found this to be incredibly powerful. And what, it, what, it, the, what got me to do it the first time isn't the reason I continue to do it. What got me to do it the first time was, you know, this spiritual person saying, well, it shows that taking an ice cold shower increases your heart's magnetic field. And at the time I was into this, I just started zero one. So I was like, wow, I, well, I really want to be able to reach more people. I'm going to take my ice cold showers. The reason I do it today is it's one of those moments where I can easily train my brain that the mind over body, where even though comfort is what your body wants and your comfort is what can be the driving reason, I want to show my body that my brain is what's in charge. And so I know I'm going into something that's discomfort. I know that I prefer a hot shower and to sit there and let the steam come. So when I do an ice cold shower, it's a moment in the day where I'm showing that what, what's in charge is my mind. My mind is what's in charge. And so I, I do that in the morning. Uh, I also exercise in the morning. Now, th this is where I alternate between two things. I have an infrared sauna. And so I either am going to be doing an infrared sauna for about 45 minutes, which is a, a nice way to sweat, or I'm exercising. And the, my favorite piece of equipment are the, these are my two favorite pieces of equipment in the gym, which is my infrared sauna and the other one being my vibration plate. And I do almost all my exercises I can do on my vibration plate. I find it an incredible piece of equipment, very small footprint, and can do a lot of health benefits. So those are my main areas right there. Now, I also have a drink that I drink upon wakening. 
And I've been doing this probably for about 10 years now. I, I, I make the drink once a week, but it's ready for me each morning. And I have a lot of patients that do it as well. And what I do is I boil up, I cut up ginger, turmeric, and I boil that and simmer it for, and it tinctures off to about two mason jars worth. And then each morning I wake up and I tincture off a third of a mason jar. So one batch lasts me six days, basically. And a third of the mason jar I put into another mason jar. I squeeze a full lemon into it and fill the rest with water. And that's the first thing that goes into my system is that drink. And then, um, so I meditate, I do sauna or exercise. I drink this drink and I take an ice cold shower. And that's basically my morning routine. That sounds like a wonderful cocktail. <laughs> the whole, the whole uh, sequence. I think the hour of meditation would be so hard for me because I'm trying to stick with 10 minutes right now. But I think the point is if you are showing self-love is just prioritizing whatever it is that you decide to include in your morning routine that is going to be important to your health and wellness and get you through the day. But um, I was curious, with your meditation routine, um, do you use like a guided meditation or what, what type of meditation do you do? I, I do use Dr. Joe Dispenza's guided meditations. I find them very effective. And, and just to state the 10-minute struggle, I also <laughs> did the 10-minute struggle. And it wasn't until I did an hour that I started to meditate. And the reason why for me, and maybe you're finding this too, is it takes me, I really, if I'm doing an hour meditation, I'm really only meditating, I believe, for 20 to 30 minutes in that hour, because yeah. the first 20 to 30 minutes, I'm still in my head. I'm still chattering. I'm thinking about my day, thinking about yesterday, thinking about next week. And, and it's almost like a fatiguing process that if I sit there for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, that all of a sudden I'm like quiet. And mm. that, so my meditations, that, that I did that for, I remember doing a Deepak Chopra's challenge. I was doing their 10 minute meditations and I'd stop after three, four days. I'm like, this is crazy. I can't meditate. I, I just can't meditate. And, and it wasn't until I did Dr. Joe's Dispenza's uh, workshop where I was like, wait a second, we're meditating for an hour, an hour and a half. And then you go to two and a half. And then when you get to the advanced, you're doing four hour meditations. And when you do a four-hour meditation, it's not difficult because you've already done a few days of it. But what's amazing is when you go home to do an hour meditation, it's like a breeze. It flies. Mm, but that said, yeah. if I went to do a 10-minute meditation today, I would still have a ton of chatter and think of a ton of things. And I wouldn't feel like I'm meditating. Mm, yeah, that, that makes sense. Well, maybe I'll have to <laughs> trade in for some of Joe's meditations because they are really great i've done a few of his and um they're really profound but they are long <laughs> they are long <laughs> um so i have one last question for you and this one is usually a little bit difficult and it may be something that you already mentioned today or maybe it's something completely different but if you could provide our listeners with just one piece of actionable information that could impact their overall health and wellness, what would that be? I, I found the biggest impact on my life that I, that I discovered after I read the book um, is water. So I, I drink a 
good amount of water in the day. I'm hydrated all day. In fact, during this podcast, I probably drank a half a liter. And water is essential to humans. It's, there's a reason why we're 70% water and, and the earth is 70 to 80% water. We're, we're very connected to the earth that way. Most people I've, are dehydrated. And the book I read was Your Body's Cries for Water. It's, a, it's written by PhD. It's in, I think, second edition already. And what it went through was all the physiological, you know, aging effects that we believe is just normal aging, but it's actually chronic dehydration over time. And if you think about it, if you didn't drink enough water today and you didn't do it again the day before that and so on and so on, how that could affect your health over time. And I've seen people just by getting them to drink water, their pain goes away. All this pain they've had for for longest time and their pain goes away or they start losing weight for the first time when they've tried all these different types of diets because pretty well everything in the body is is water and and even one to two percent dehydration creates mental fogginess you know how many people have that as a symptom so if i was to leave you with one thing just start drinking water uh preferably filtered because if you're not filtering it then you are the filter uh, but, but even then I would say, if you can't have anything but water, get just water in your system because it's going to make changes. Even the ones that retain water, where a lot of times complaints are, oh, well, I retain water. Well, the reason you're retaining water is because your body's holding on to every water it has because you're not drinking enough. So mm-hmm. it, it should clear up a lot of effects. And, and if you want more science and, uh, physiological effects, pick up that book, your body's cries for water. I'm going to have to check that book out, but I couldn't agree with you more. Do you drink specifically any type of water, like um, uh, raw mineral water or deuterium depleted water, or there's alkaline water? There's all different kinds. Do you have a specific preference? Yes. And, and it's so funny because you're, 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 it's so true. It can, once you start diving into, well, what is the best water for me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's super confusing. Um, there are certain water filters that can be, you know, helpful to you. And there's certain water filters and they're expensive and they can actually be detrimental. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go into reverse osmosis, for example, the, the standard, yes, it takes everything out. But what it does also is it takes out your minerals of water, yeah. which means that it can pull by drinking that RO water, you can actually start pulling minerals out of your body just the way the body works. So, you know, at work, we have an RO system here. So I just remineralize it with some mineral uh, tablets. I also use this IH2O type system where what it does is it, it runs a light beam through crystal. And then this goes on into my water for 20 minutes. And what it does is it, it uh, breaks up the water clusters because water is so polar, it can create giant clusters that make it more difficult for it to be absorbed in the gut. So by breaking up the clusters, now other ways you could do it is really just by shaking it. So like shaking mm-hmm. up your water, creating movement in the water um, helps uh, for your drinking it. But uh, again, I would say that if you're between not get drinking water or drinking filtered water, just get started on water. Then after that, if you know, there's some great, one of the best water filters I've seen so far is the pristine water filter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and th- that's pretty well it, you know, I, it, yeah. it gets confusing. Yeah, I think 
for people who are, first of all, not drinking enough water, um, I don't even care what your water source is as long as it's clean water just drink it <laughs> and then and then if you want to go down the rabbit hole from there then I totally agree with you adding minerals is my number one to make the water more bioavailable essentially but um, it's funny that you mentioned the um, restructuring of water is the is the next really popular one that's coming up right now and I think that's basically what you're doing to your water but also, if we go back to that science about intention, putting intention to water and it changes the structure of the water, essentially, like, we don't need any sort of special tool, special light, any sort of special practice at all besides putting a positive intention on our water. So I wanted to pose that to you. <laughs> I actually love that you said that because that is the simplest approach. And if I'm at a restaurant and I get water, I just spend a 10 seconds of my hands around the water with a positive loving intention. And that alone will restructure it. So I'm glad you brought yeah. that up. That's awesome. I, I figured you already knew about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if our listeners are curious to learn more about you and your practice, or even if they want to come in and have a session with you, where can they connect with you? Well, the very best way is on Instagram. I'm at Dr. Scott Healer, and therefore they can kind of see what I do because I post a lot about the type of the heal room and the techniques I'm using. Uh, they can find me at my website, drscottlevine.ca, and if they want to find me to do a one-on-one -on -one session, I am in Toronto. So hopefully you'll make your way up here. I recommend in the summer because today we've got a snowstorm. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the BioCurious podcast. If you are still listening to this, then you have made it all the way to the end of the episode. And I just want to commend you for taking this time for yourself and making this investment in your health and wellness. And I also wanna thank you for just being part of the BioCurious community. You really do mean the world to me and all of the great feedback that the community has given for the podcast and the guests that we have on has just really been amazing. If you know somebody who could benefit from the information shared in this episode, please do share it with them. Um, you can send it, you could send the link to them or you can take a screenshot and share it through your social media page. Um, and be sure to tag me if you do that because I will repost your post. And also, if you could leave a review for the podcast, it really, really helps us to grow the BioCurious community and also to spread more valuable knowledge. So thank you again for being part of my community. I also wanted to take a moment to thank our sponsors who are making season two possible and also helping to make a positive change in this world. These are brands that I personally use and trust. And as I mentioned, the Genius brand is one of the few supplement companies that I use on a regular basis and trust the quality. They've got a select few 
supplements that are really high quality for both performance of the body and the mind. And you can find them at thegeniusbrand.com and in the show notes below. The code BIOCURIOUS will also get you a little discount. So it's really a win-win-win for all of us. Uh, Biostrap is the other trusted sponsor and a brand that all of you know I have been using for a couple years now on the daily. I love it and I love the Sleep Lab. I think it's definitely the hands down best wearable for anyone looking to put their health data into action and optimize their health. So you can check them out at biostrap.com and they also have a discount code for you guys. It's biocurious20 um, and then be sure to download their app. It's free for anyone and it's in the app store. Just search for biostrap.